Well, hello there, Terrible Warriors. Before we get started on today's episode, we wanted to take a little moment here. One of our longest listeners on this show and a friend of the show and someone I ran games with and ran games for, um, he was on the podcast a few times uh, way back when we played Ravenloft. We learned this week that uh, Andrew Ramble passed away and he will be sorely missed in all of the communities he was a part of online, as well as everyone he's ever been in touch with, uh, friends and family. Uh, he was a light of optimism and friendliness wherever he went. And whether you knew him as Andrew or whether you knew him as Volsar or as Abra or any of the characters as Chad, son of Bob, uh, we're going to miss you, Andrew. And, uh, our condolences to your family and to everyone who knew him. Today on The Terrible Warriors, we don't do a lot of topical dated stuff because we try to be timeless, something that is known as evergreen, so that it will never fade away through the annals of time. However, uh, today it's September 30th, 2021. That's interesting because here in Canada, it is the first time we are uh, observing a new statutory holiday that has been made. Uh, It is the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. And what's interesting for me, someone who works in radio, I'm a federally regulated company, so I got the day off work. Oh, okay. And one of the things was asked of all of us was to have a day... This isn't a celebration, but a day to uh, acknowledge and reflect on our history with uh, the Indigenous people uh, here in Canada and North America and uh, our relationship and history with them. And this has been a interesting and tough year in the news with all the stories that have come out. And why am I bringing this up on a tabletop RPG actual play podcast where we roll dice and have fun and all that? Well, because I also say be good to each other at the end of every episode. And so today I want to be good to each other and I want to be good to our history on this show because I didn't start Terrible Warriors. You know that. I joined in partway through the first year and I was a helper and then an editor and then a player and then a GM and uh, now I do a little bit of everything. But one of the, I think four let's say four founding members who started Terrible Warriors. You know him as the Birdman, and I know him as my friend Mike Ashkiwi. And he is joining us today because we don't really talk about it on the show much, but uh, he's an indigenous person here and helped found this show. And I wanted to invite you back, Mike. Hello. Ani, uh, very, very happy to talk with you again, Justin. It's been a long time since I've been on the show. 2017. Oh, we've been through we've been through a lot. I mean, we've had Alex on the show uh, more recently than you. Um, I think he joined us. Ross Rifles was the yes. last one. And uh, certainly you're hanging out with us every day in Discord. And uh, there's there's always that back and forth. Um, and you're you're not like. Uh, not working. You're doing a lot of work uh, in the geek world with Twig uh, as you continue on with Alex Ricci, uh, but also uh, your own uh, journey, hell of a journey that you have been through since you've last been on Terrible Warriors. And so I wanted to take this 
episode to do a kind of a where are you now and check in with with you, our friend and one of the co-founders of Terrible Warriors, and also to talk about this 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 new day uh, that uh, has been set aside, uh, and, and it's an important day, but it's also, yeah, I'm just over here, well, what, what, what do I do with this? I, I was thinking of doing another, I don't know, it just felt weird to just put out a normal episode today uh, when I got you, and I see everything that you're posting, uh, and the stuff that you've been doing uh, with activism, but also your own journey, uh, your Last name is Ashkiwi. That's not the name we have on our show notes in previous episodes. So, let uh, what what have you been up to? Well, where do I start? <laughs> where do you so, start? Where do we, where do you want to start? Where would you like to begin, Mike? Well, um, I guess to kind of address the whole kind of name thing. So, for many 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 years, my name was Mike Dodd, and that was the name I was. Um, adopted under in 1981. And that was my name until last year. I'm in the process of legally changing my name to Mike Ashkui. And I'm probably going to adopt a different set of middle names. And I haven't announced that publicly yet, but I will on my birthday on, on October 20th. So where does one start with this? So Obviously, with Truth and Reconciliation Day being a very big thing in the news because of the residential school uh, discoveries that happened this past summer with the mass graves and all the problems and the atrocities that have happened to indigenous people. We have we have Canadian listeners, but I, I, I know we've got lots of listeners outside and uh, in, in more insulated places like the U.S. who might not know uh, that we have been discovering uh, and when I say we, I mean white Canada has been discovering because they have never been forgotten uh, by the local communities, the unmarked graves of what is likely to be thousands of children uh, who died. Currently over 5,000 right yeah, now. Um, who died while attending residential schools in this country. What is a residential school, you ask? It's not a boarding school. It's a similar system that was adopted. It was run through by the church and sanctioned and funded through by the government. And it was a mandatory school that all indigenous children in this country were forced to attend with or without the consent of their parents. And in those schools, they were through intentional curriculum, stripped of their language and of their culture, um, heavily uh uh, attempted to convert to Catholicism. Uh, they suffered, well, I mean, abuse, neglect, poor food, poor living conditions. We haven't had an opportunity to do many examinations on 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 these on these remains, uh, but I think it is safe to assume that many of them would have died through diseases and outbreaks and sickness and malnutrition, uh, abuse certainly. And then they were buried on site because the schools, through the intentional funding program, would not pay to repatriate their bodies back to their communities that they came from. So they were buried on site. And then they were uh, buried in some cases mass graves or in graves that were marked and then lost when the residential schools would be closed down over various times through history. Uh, the most recent one being in the 90s. So this is not old history. And uh, those 
locations, some of them are literally turned into city parks. And so those, those graves, those markers were bulldozed and paved over with a playground. Yeah, that's dark, man. That's super fucked up. And in the recent year, local communities have started hiring uh, these folks that have these subterranean um, sonars, radar basically systems, radars, yeah. and, and going to. Because orally, locally, they have always known that these children never came home from school. The parents didn't just like not know that. And uh, the, that knowledge has been passed on. And uh, certainly it has been in the news in previous years and it never really made waves where people would say, we know where they're buried. We don't know how many. We don't like we, they're not marked. They've just been forgotten. And in, apparently there was a time in the 1940s, there was a big fire and the archives destroyed all like it, it, for, for the few that were marked or, or mentioned or noted down. And no one cared institutionally. Uh, the system just forgot about it, threw it out. And uh, it was mentioned in a report to the government, I think in 2014, hey, there's going to be thousands and thousands of and it didn't make any waves because the government didn't want to spend any money to actually do a census to find out how many children actually were unaccounted for. The number of children who went to the schools versus the number of school children who came home from the schools didn't match by a long shot. So that's the story in the nutshell, the TLDR of uh, what Mike and I were just mentioning, because you outside of Canada might not. No, because Canada has done a really wonderful PR job of spinning things us around to be this like wonderful, multicultural, perfect country. Not. And this also happened in the United States, though it's not as widely reported. And there are thousands of kids there. And the indigenous population in the United States hasn't been treated great either. Oh, no. You can look at the news there. And not at but all. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and for the ones that happened in the States, um, Canadians don't get a pass on that because it was our program that they were adopting. And we... Invented it and perfected it and made it what it was. And some of the most prominent names in Canadian history, universities are named after them, streets are named after them. We're not just proponents, but architects of this program. And so this is something that is part of not just a thing that Canada did that's a blot on our history. It is woven into the way this country was constructed. This is what it was built on. And uh, we've been talking about that and we've been having to face that. So that is a thing. Uh, look it up. Read about it. There's a lot of news articles now. It is finally being talked about. And if you're going like, holy shit, Canadians. Really? Yeah, really. It's fucked. But and it gets worse. It gets worse. Um, Go if ahead, you can believe that. Um one of the things now, I wasn't personally affected by the residential schools. I was part of a different program in Canada known as the 60s Scoop. And the 60s Scoop basically boils down to the illegal adoption of Indigenous children where we are stripped of our language and culture. And with my family, my mother, Kim, uh, was adopted in the 1960s, and she's a Scoopy. And by generation, I am a Scoopy because I was also illegally adopted from her under my name of Dodd. My birth name is Ashkui. And um, over the last couple of years, I've been kind of looking at that. And I always accepted myself as a Dodd for many, many, many years. That was my branding. 
for many years. And um, last year I made the decision to start the process of changing my name to Ashkui. I will no longer respond to Dodd only in a professional business sense because I got 15 years of history there and it's a little hard to change that, but I'm fine with that. Again, we talk about illegal adoption and if you don't mind my nerdy news, the Canadian government passed laws that said that these children are in unsafe conditions and for their safety and for their health and well-being, they should be relocated to be raised in proper, safe environments. And many of the reasons that were used was because they didn't have land. And in that particular, they didn't have a mortgage. <laughs> and, uh, and so weren't able to put assurities down and uh, all this garbage. And so when we say illegal adoptions, we mean RCMP officers actually walking into reservations and into indigenous communities and literally taking children out of homes to be adopted to families against like these, these kids had parents. These parents did not want these kids taken. They were taken anyways, and they never saw them again. And then there's other things like forced sterilization that happened out in the prairie provinces, starlight tours. If you want to look up some real fucked up shit, Google starlight tours and you'll have some fun there. Um, but when, when it comes to my story, so I was born in 1981 and the 60s scoop lasted from the 60s until about the mid 1980s. And I was considered a part of that. So I was a generational scoopy. And for many years, I didn't know who my mother was. I didn't know her name until I was 12, but I knew my mother, but under a different set of circumstances, my parents or my grandparents, rather John and Marie had told me that the woman I knew as Kim, they told me she was my sister because we're both native and we just, I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And then one day after uh, a karate tournament that I was at, they're like, oh, by the way, that's your mother. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, so that was fucked up. And then my grandmother uh, kept trying to get rid of me to Kim in the 1990s. I was taken out to Alberta. I was abandoned just outside of Calgary for several hours until my grandmother had to be talked into come get me by my grand by my grandmother again. Foolishly, I trusted her, and it was just supposed to be a thing. And uh, we had a rocky relationship. And because my mother Kim lived a very complicated life, we never knew each other really as family until about the 2000s. And I lived with her briefly, but. If you try and parent somebody when they're in, in their mid-20s and she was in her 30s and 40s, it doesn't work. And we didn't speak for many, many years. And it wasn't until uh, 2018, or sorry, 2017, to in and around that era, we started talking again. And she told me about the 60s scoop, and I started looking into it. And I'm thinking, wow. And there was this huge class action lawsuit in Canada which has now been settled, but I'll get into that because that ties into my advocacy work. And the government had agreed to pay out survivors who could verify their records and whatnot from the provincial and federal governments, they would get a settlement. And that process is still ongoing due to a group known as Collectiva, which has been inept would be one way to put it, but I don't want to say anything that would put me into an actionable position. I'll just say I disagree with their methods and their speed. Um, so when my mother passed away, 
I was never told who my father was. And I know I'm half Caucasian. And thanks to genetic testing, I figured out I'm Scottish, English, and Irish with a little bit of Norwegian and Sardinian mixed in there. But there's a story behind that too. So that began a quest to figure out who I am. And Alex Ricci, uh, my co-host on Twig and from Ross Rifles, he suggested I do Ancestry.ca. I'm like, yeah, sure. And he pitched it to me as, hey, Mike, it'll be an interesting story. So I did it expecting nothing to come from it. So I didn't know if my dad was alive. I'd heard multiple different stories over the years. I never had a name. So that happened and my results came back. There was a match. And I'm like, okay, it's probably just another couple of native kids. There's got to be some other people in the family. I didn't think anything of it. And that's when I found my half sister. Her name is Katie. She is from my father's side. And um, I had her name, but I couldn't find her. So eventually doing some detective work, I found her on Instagram. So I messaged her one night out of the blue and she's like, holy shit, you're my fucking brother. And we looked at the results and the way ancestry compiles the results, it says, Oh, by the way, this person could be your sister to your cousin. But when we looked at the DNA strands, cause you have to match so many uh, percentage, we were well over half. I'm like, you're my sister. So things very rapidly came together. We met a few weeks later and it was like looking into a mirror. It was like, wow, it's me, but with boobs. Um, and uh, we have the same nose the same smile, the same lips and um, the same forehead. And it's really weird. Cause I'd never thought I'd have that experience in my life to look at a sibling. I like, I'd always just assumed it was me against the world. I'll never know who my dad is. I'll never, my mom is gone. And that's, that's just how it is. So that then led to me reaching out to my other family. My mom, Kim had a sister named Melanie. And I'd known about her and her brother Sterling for years, but we weren't really close. I knew her daughter Tamara uh, and we just, you know, we'd hung out, but we never really thought ourselves as family. And then after Kim passed away, we started talking. So later on in 2020, when me and Katie had met, we started looking for more evidence of my father. And we thought we found him at one point because all the pieces matched, but the dates were a little off. We found out the guy was dead and we're thinking, well, fuck. But then Katie, because she is brilliant said, Hey Mike, this doesn't feel right. Give me a little bit of time. Let's figure this out. She reached out to another person she found on ancestry.ca. And within a few weeks, we found my dad. We found our father, David. And uh, it turns out my father is a world-class skateboarder and surfer. Guys won awards. So, wow. So eventually last- I didn't have that on the bingo card. Yeah, I know. It was like, wow, I love Tony Hawk and you are Tony Hawk. Uh, it's kind of amazing. So when we start, we had our first conversation on Katie's birthday of December 1st last year. And I was like, hi, David. And he's like, I was like, hi, I'm like, I'm your son, Michael. And he's like, I've actually met you once. And my grandparents had kept me and Kim away from him because, you know, 
you're a young native woman. You don't know what you want. And there was a whole complicated history there as well with my parents, but we finally found our dad and that was a great thing. And as time has went on, I started looking at my heritage and I started thinking, you know what? I'm not really a Dodd anymore. And last year I came to the conclusion, I'm going to take my mother's name to honor her. We weren't the closest, but it's the only piece of her that I have left. So I changed my last name to Ashkui. And that's how I present myself to the world now. And it's been an interesting quest because over the last year or so, I've been very involved politically with the 60 scoop, which I joined up with a woman named Kathy from Manitoba to do some advocacy work, uh, petitioning the courts. And at one point I was uh, subpoenaed and gave an affidavit about my experiences with the 60 scoop. And that led to initial payments being given to survivors. So during the middle of a pandemic, we finally got a bone where people can finally survive and get part of the settlement they so rightly deserve for having our language stripped from us and our culture. It's a pittance when you compare it to the residential schools, but that's not what I'm here to to talk about. Um, And things changed for me a lot. And I started looking into my culture and I started looking into my spirituality And this year, especially with the residential schools, things hit hard because I, you know, I was an Ashkui. I was advocating for the 60 scoop, rah, rah, rah. I was really, really, really into it. And then the story came out about the mass graves. And it was that day that I decided, you know what, how in the hell am I going to deprogram 40 years of colonized thinking? How do I unlearn what I've been learned? How do I unlearn a religion that's not really mine? I've always felt it wasn't right for me. How do I unlearn what I've been taught as essentially cultural genocide? Because there's always this perception of natives in Canada about stereotypes and various media outlets give us shit for defending our land, our fishing rights. Last year, when George Floyd, uh, the black man, was murdered, they burned fishing boats in Nova Scotia because people were mad at us. And racism in this country is alive and well. I can tell you that firsthand knowledge. Um, When I went to college, I got some pretty nasty looks when I told people that my education was paid for. And I luckily found a really good Native Student Services at Niagara College, and I really got accepted there. I met some wonderful people, and I got connected to some Native resources there. Um, so when things changed for me this summer, I started my own quest to find out who I was. And earlier in the year, before I got really, really, really sick and almost died, I joined the local Guelph NDP and I was elected to the executive uh, board. NDP re- is a political party here in the country. Um, unlike the U.S., with like we have Democrat and Republican, we have uh, at least three. If you're in Quebec, four parties. The NDP is the one that's just a little bit more left than the Liberal Party, uh, and uh, and way more left on the street level Activision side. They're they're the they're the actual. Liberals, our our liberals are um, pretty uh, pretty pretty centrist. 
right of center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyway, it's just, you know, it's a, that's what the NDP are. They're the new Democratic Party. Uh, they're one of our political parties in the country. Yeah. So when I joined up with them, I had become their representative for uh, indigenous peoples and I'm the representative for uh people of disability that includes everything from physical mental to everything in between there that might not be typically covered and i've been very very active in advocating for that because people live in low legislated poverty and i have it better than most because i've got a really good support system plus i'm really good at trading and bartering because I just know how to spin a tail. But um, what it comes down to is when I had this confrontation with self on that residential school day, um, it really came to a head on Canada Day. And I wrote something pretty powerful on Facebook and I wrote some stuff on Twitter about it. And I, ha- and I had a pretty good response to it. And I started to learn about something in my culture known as the seven grandfather teachings. And um, I can't pronounce a lot of these words just yet because I don't know how they're said. So just give me a sec to bring that up here. And it's, there are the truths that you should live your life by, but if you live one too much, then things are out of balance. And very much in the native culture, there's a balance to thing. And the one that I've been drawing the most time on is called Deb We Win. And that stands for to speak to the extent we have lived experience commonly referred to as truth. Deb means to a certain extent, we sound through speech and when a way it is done. Truth is represented by the turtle as the turtle was here during the creation of earth and carries the teachings of life on his back. And then this has really got me thinking in the last couple of weeks, especially in light of some confrontations I've had, but also late night thoughts when I'm alone. And that is Dabas and Iziwin. And that stands to lower oneself in relation to all that sustains us, commonly referred to as humility. And Dabas means to low or lower and pertaining to thought is a state of condition and when a way it is done humility is represented by the wolf the wolf lives for his pack and the ultimate shame is to be is to be an outcast so through this this summer i've met with some local native uh people that are knowledgeable one of them doesn't feel comfortable with the title of elder but his name is bruce and he's been tremendously helpful i've also met a woman who she calls herself uh, Nicomus, and in my language, that means grandmother, but she's also fine with calling her native grandma, so that's what we call her. So she'll come by every two weeks with a bag of food to share with the community. And my community is those I have adopted into my family that's my wife, Blair, my roommate, Shannon, and my friend and brother, Liam, who lives next door and we share everything we have so this last summer especially these last month i've been trying to learn the ways of my people because i am a chippewa of nawash ojibwe indian and i'm of clan bear and i'm trying to figure out what that means because for years upon years i was raised christian and when i was in the hospital in 2017 the first time 
I had um, sepsis or uh, or something. I had some kind of an infection in my right leg, which I still have, and that could have turned very bad and got me sick. And it almost it led to a very negative path for me. And then I used to talk to the hospital chaplain. And whether you find comfort in Christianity or whatever, that's fine. I did too for a while, but it never felt right. And when I was on the operating table in 2017 in November, when they amputated my leg on November 26, it didn't feel right praying to God. And I've had a number of religious experiences. I've also had a number of supernatural experiences. So when things happened on residential schools and on Canada Day this year, I refuse to acknowledge Canada as it stands. For the most part, a lot of people are living on stolen land. And as you mentioned about the Truth and Reconciliation Report that came out in 2014, a lot of those calls for action have not been answered, despite what the politicians tell you. There are still many boil water advisories on reservations right now, my home reservation included. And uh, they just tell you, it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine here. Don't look. And there's also another problem, which was brought up, and that's about the murdered and missing Indigenous women that have happened across this country for many, many years. And again, look up Starlight Tours, seminally related. There's a lot of really fucked up shit in this country, and I refuse to acknowledge any government that doesn't act on it. And I threw my lot in with the NDP because the only way things are going to change is by having representation to do something. And I decided I wanted to be a part of that process. And while I've been a part of geek media for 15 years, I know my time's coming to an end at some point. It has to. And I'll keep podcasting for as long as the microphone light stays on, as long as it stays fun. But at the same time, maybe serving my people something what I should be considering. Because I've seen a lot of people, people I used to call friends that sell out for clout, sell out for stuff. I can't do that. I'm almost 40 years old and I don't have any more time for bullshit. And I don't want, I don't want my legacy to be a shill. I want my legacy to help being uplifting people. And I've said this multiple times on Facebook and on Twitter. I don't want to lead. That's not my place. I'm not as strong as I need to be for my people. But if they need a frontline soldier, that I can do. I can rally people to a cause, but I'm not the general to strategize. And that has been part of my quest this year. And this week, actually, as of today, I'm attending my first sacred fire. And sacred fire is a practice among the Ashinanabe people that men or people of respect or whatever guard the fire. We That's important. That was given to us by the creator. And that's something I'm finding hard to accept as well from a religious standpoint, because I'm a man who believes in science. I know the light from galaxy M31 took billions of years to get here. That means this universe has existed for billions of years. How does that make sense with, you know, say the Christian belief of, oh, we've only been around for thousands. I can't wrap my head around that, but I also look at the divine math of the universe 
everything just happens to work. There's no way there wasn't a divine intervention of something. Something created the elegance of creation and existence, whatever that may be. I know there's something out there and I have to find that for myself. So when I go to sacred fire today, I want to meditate on that. And I find, I find myself at an, at an interesting crossroads as to where Mike Ashkui goes from here. And right now I'm writing, I'm taking a number of different college courses because, Hey, the world's on fire. Why not? Um, whether my writing will be, doing tabletop RPGs, which is a distinct possibility or whether I help improve my people. That's something I definitely want to do because I believe the indigenous population, as I have evidence and as we now have evidence presented by thousands of unmarked graves, something needs to change in this country. Respect. Reparations isn't the right word. But conversations need to happen. If we're truly going to have reconciliation, we're going to have to face some ugly truths. And this country is not perfect. Racism exists. And I'll tell you a story about racism. When I was about, when I was young, I know I was in grade seven. Me and my friend Quincy, he was another native kid and we watched each other's backs. We were the only, one of the few native kids where we were. So we watched out for each other. So one night we were walking home in Owen Sound, small town, rural Ontario, should be the safest place on earth. We had, we, and by we, I mean me, had the shit kicked out of me by a neo-Nazi. And he hit me with a billiard ball in a sock until I was purple and yellow. Thankfully, Quincy and his brother Mons came by, got them off of me. I was all right, only wounded pride and some pretty severe bruising, but it sucked. And obviously when you live in a small community, when you're native, they watch you when you go in the stores, they watch you make sure you're cheating or you're doing something wrong. When I was in school, always had to prove I was just as good as the white kids, that I was smart enough, that I was capable enough. And I had teachers watch me too. And that wasn't a fun experience. So the next generation coming up, the kids that live on the reservations now, the kids that are adopted, I know there's still, there's another lawsuit right now going through for uh, Crown Wards. There's uh, Jordan's principal, which the government is still fighting kids, native kids in court right now. Things have got to change. And that's important. And my story is just one of thousands across this country. So I'm glad my work through the NDP is allowing me to do something. But even then, I'm still learning. I've just took my native name in the last two years. I thought I knew my name. I thought I knew my spirit name, my true name for years. I was wrong. For many years on the podcast, I told my story of how I thought my native name was Moonbear, but it's not. When I spoke with a native elder this year, he said, that's not it. I can tell you that you're on the right track though, but an, an elder has to give it to you. And because I'm disabled doing a sweat lodge, isn't exactly safe. No, because, 
yeah, it's a complicated uh, kind of ritual, but hopefully we'll find some way to accommodate it. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. And I think as I explore who I am, where I am, I'm going to learn who Mike Ashkwee is because for all intents and purposes, Mike Dodd rode off into the sunset and uh, he he had a good run. Mike Ashkwee continues on in his place to entertain, educate, and advocate. And I will do my best to speak truth, to honor the turtle's journey. I do want to be like the wolf and have my pack with me because for many years I was an outcast and being outcasted by your friends and family is not a fun thing. And uh, right now, uh, to kind of tie things in uh, to a more geeky thing, I'm playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition right now. And I look at Commander Shepard and I see the people he surrounds himself with, he or she. I play as Fem Shep. And I think about the burden of leadership and who you choose as your family and who you choose as friends. And I've had a lot of friends go by the wayside in the last couple of years. And that's okay. I have to learn to let, to let that go. So part of my journey in accepting my native heritage is learning family is more than blood. Family is more than relationship. It's something very, very, very spiritual. And that's something I've come to feel in the last year or so since I've taken on a lot more of my first nations learnings is my spirituality is more important to me than it ever has been. There's one very, very powerful memory of mine. And I think it's the first time I would say I felt my blood speak to me. I can't remember how old I was, but I can remember the circumstances. I was at my parents' place in a small rural village. The house is quiet. It's the middle of the night. Lights are off. And I'm just listening to the wind whisper through the trees outside my window. And I'm hearing just things rustle. And I'm just hearing what I would literally call the earth speak to me. And I couldn't quite understand what it was saying, but I knew it was there. And it wasn't threatening. It wasn't scary. It was comforting. And there's something that I think my spirituality and my connection to my blood will bring out. And that's why I feel talking about things like this is important to hear our stories and not every native story is going to be tragic or sad and not every native story is going to be inspiring and wonderful. And there's been some wonderful people that have done some great work for our community. There's a woman who used to be an MP in uh, the Yukon or the Northwest Territories. I cannot pronounce her name, so I'm not going to try, but she just stepped down as the MP. She chose not to run again. Um, She's great. Uh, There's Kathy LaGrange on Twitter, and she's the woman I worked with for the 60 Scoop Legacy of Canada. And she's helping survivors get connected. We're advocating the government right now for a national inquiry. And there's something right there. Last week before, or the week before the federal election, I met federal NDP leader Yagmeet Singh. And I got him to say, on the record, will you support a national inquiry into the 60s scoop in the residential schools and prosecute those responsible? Because some of those people, they're still alive. There are records. We have names. 
now release them. And that's what we want. We want justice, not blood, because that's important. We want justice, proper justice, because an an I think it, I think they're think the old Indian saying, Indian being uh, from India, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. I I don't want that. I don't. I want us to sit down, have a conversation. Let's see where we can go from here. Acknowledge the atrocities that happened. Fix what we can, but build better. Because I think we can do that in this country. But anybody who's involved has to be brought to justice. Those who are complicit have to face consequences. And those that are ignorant must be enlightened. And it's going to be a hard conversation for a lot of people to have. It's hard for a lot of Americans and those around the world. As you said, Justin, people look at Canada as this bastion of cooperation, racial equality. We don't have the violence that is seen around the world. We do. It's just not reported. It's swept under the rug. This last week, a woman vlogger went missing, murdered, and was found by people on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. And then a, then a post came up from uh, MSNBC, I think. Okay, you gave all this attention to this missing white woman. That's great. I'm glad we found her. Now let's find her killer. Why don't you talk about the missing and murdered women of indigenous descent? Why doesn't that happen? We get ignored. Mike, I want to thank you for coming on, sharing your story. You've been, uh, been, you're going, you're going through a journey right now. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, glad we were able to have this, um, this moment, this short moment, this far too short moment to uh, to check in with you and hear what's been going on, and uh, you know, shine some light on uh, on some parts that we we don't we don't, we don't talk about. We don't talk about enough. And Truth and Reconciliation Day is in here in Canada, but uh, days uh, especially for our American listeners and uh, even you know, tell you listeners uh, in, in in Europe and New Zealand, Australia, your whole. I know these stories are happening where you're living too. Um, yeah. uh, and uh, what would you, you know, on Thursday, you know, they're not going to listen to today. They're probably going to listen to this eight years from now for all I know. <laughs> um, what would you like for us to do, you know, today on this, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and uh, not just on a, a day, but you know what I mean? Like uh, what would you, what, if, if you could have us have a, a takeaway or, or, or something to reflect on, what would, you, what would you wish that to be? When people tell you their stories of pain, what they've went through, their trauma, listen to them, empathize with them. Sometimes it's hard to understand what we've went through, but our pain is very real. And if you care, I'm not saying you have to advocate, fight in the streets, but listen. And if you want to seek out knowledge, don't be afraid to ask questions. You may get some difficult barriers that will happen, but there's plenty of publicly available resources. There are movies on Amazon that talk about the res- residential schools. There are activists on Twitter. There are activist blogs and stuff like that. There are some wonderful things going on out there. Should you attend a truth and reconciliation event? If you feel that you want to do that, please wear orange. Help bring these missing children home. But more importantly, don't forget us. Listen to our stories. Listen to us. 
And maybe when the time is right, when everybody can hopefully come together and sit down, we can help truly find out all the terrible things that happened, acknowledge them and build something better together, because that's how we're going to get through this together. Mike, we'll have you back. I know you and I are talking about uh, doing some book reviews or, or, or chatting about um, you know, that kind of stuff because that's our jam. And that's what we do here on the show. And uh, hey, if you've made it this far, thank you for, for listening. I know this is weird and different. We don't, this isn't a news podcast. What are you doing? We're supposed to be playing Simba Room. And we are. We're going to return to that on, on Tuesday. This isn't the show I started. Uh, Mike started it. And uh, he and I were chatting on Facebook last week and seeing this, this day coming up of was like, man, Mike, you've been through so much since you were last on. And I know we've followed, I followed that on your, what you've shared on Facebook or what you share on, on Twitter. But, um, I wanted to let our audience have an opportunity to, um, catch up on, uh, on, on your comings and goings and, and what you've been involved in. And certainly uh, continue to follow Mike and Alex over at Twig. You were just doing a recording earlier today, I understand. Uh, what's uh, happening on Twig? Uh, actually, yeah, uh, we are hopefully hopefully by my birthday on, on October 20th. We should be launching our new actual play podcast, which will be Stargate SG-1 Twig, which stands for Tactical Weapons Integration Group. Basically, they we take technology from allied races and uh, we apply it against the Guald, which we will be fighting it back against the system Lords where everything is canon up until season six, episode nine. Then after that, <laughs> good luck fuckers. Um, it's going to be a good time. Plus on twig, as of today, we released a commentary on the first time I ever saw a native in media, which is funny Ernest goes to camp. Oh no. Okay. Which is, which is surprisingly racist, but it's Ernest. So he doesn't mean it. So it's funny though. So we do that and uh, I share some stories and uh, it's a good time. So a lot of good stuff coming up on Twig. we got our holiday gift guide. we got our annual Halloween show with, with uh, James Rolfe coming up in uh, the next couple of weeks. We got classic episodes re-releasing of our conversations with James, more future imperfects, more Twig Sunday funnies. It's going to be a sprint into our holiday gift guide. Really, really glad that that's still a thing that's happening. Uh, and uh, really glad that you're still a thing that's happening, Mike. And uh, thank you again for coming on here and sharing your story with us, giving us uh, a moment to think and reflect on uh, where you've been, where this country's been, where this country's going. And um, yeah, as for uh, you, my dear listener, we will be back on Tuesday with the next episode of Simbaroom. And we will be back on Thursday with discussions on tabletops, on stories of tabletop triumph, meeting the makers, all that, all that stuff. We'll, we'll get back to it. Uh, but until that time, when we return here once again to the table to roll some dice and tell some stories, thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for taking a pause in our escapism, because there are some things we should not be escaping from uh, right now. And this is one of them. Yeah, until that next time when we're back together. You know I say it. I'm going to say it again. Be good to each other. Bye. McGwitch.